Have you ever found yourself a bit out of tune with the melody of life? Welcome to Keep the Faith with Pastor Adam Burton. In today's episode, Echoing Christ's Love, we're delving into the symphony of life, where every off-key note and unexpected pause adds depth to our faith's harmony. Just like a community choir that struggles to find its pitch but sings with heartfelt joy, our journey with Christ is filled with moments that might not be perfect but are profoundly beautiful in their authenticity. That's a beautiful picture, and it sets the stage perfectly for today's sermon. Pastor Adam, what will we be exploring today? We'll be diving into how our not-so-perfect moments, those mix-ups and mess-ups, can actually draw us closer to God. It's about transforming our bloopers into stepping stones and seeing our struggles as opportunities to grow in compassion, resilience, and a deeper connection with God. A message we all need to hear. Pastor Adam, I'm sure our listeners can't wait to dive deeper. Absolutely. Today, we'll see how embracing our imperfections can lead us to live more authentically in Christ's love. So, let's get ready to explore how we can echo Christ's love in our daily lives even through our discord and harmony. Well, you know how it is when you're at a local event. Let's picture a community concert, and and there's an air of buzz of excitement because the communities come together to form a a community choir. Everybody's in their seats in in the auditorium, and then the choir lines up. There's a bit of shuffle in their step, but then... The first notes hit. But instead of a, a smooth melody, let's just face it, it, it's more like a comedy show. The tenors are only hitting notes that dogs should only be able to hear. The, the altos can't seem to find their rhythm. And then the sopranos, well, they're on a completely different page. It's a mess. But it's a beautiful one. Because it's so real. It's so human. You know, it reminds us a bit of ourselves, right? Uh, Trying to get through life. We're aiming for for harmony in our faith, but often ending up a little out of tune. Life's like that. Full of surprises that we didn't see coming. We try to live out love and grace and forgiveness. We're aiming to be pitch perfect. But let's be honest. We often miss the mark. Our lives can feel more like that off-tune choir than a well-rehearsed symphony. We stumble, we lose our place, and sometimes the music of our faith seems to get lost in the noise. But what if there's something special in those off-key moments? What if those struggles and stumbles are actually opportunities for us to grow, to become more resilient and more compassionate? Today, we're diving into Echoes of Christ's Love. We're going to talk about how embracing our not-so-perfect moments can actually bring us closer to the heart of what it means to live the Christ-like life. It's not about just toughing it out. It's about finding the strengths in the struggle, learning to see through eyes of compassion, and deepening our connection with God right in the middle of our mess. It's about transforming our bloopers into stepping stones, our missteps into opportunities for growth, and our discord into a beautiful 
if unexpected melody of faith. So as we gear up to explore this together, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. You can grab that sermon outline on the back page of your bulletin. We're going to see how our off-key moments don't have to define us, but they can actually refine us. Remember that even those choir members with a little practice, with a lot of grace, eventually find their harmony. And guess what? So can we. Our first point this morning is uniting through compassion. Imagine that you're at the scene of the Tower of Babel. Picture it, right? In the bustling construction site, the air is thick with ambition as a community united by a single language throws itself into building a tower that scrapes the sky. They're not just laying bricks. They're trying to stitch together a monument to their unity, their power, their independence from God. It's a grand vision, right? But here's the catch. Their unity is skin deep, fueled by a desire to make a name for themselves rather than to glorify the one who gave them their very breath. Now I want you to, to picture their, their faces. Zoom in. They're full of determination. Their eyes allied with the dreams of reaching the heavens. Yet beneath this veneer of cooperation, there's a big crack, a fundamental flaw in their blueprint. They're building on the quicksand of pride and self-sufficiency, not on the solid rock of God's purpose. You see, this is a unity that is missing its heart. And then out of nowhere, confusion hits like a thunderclap. Languages multiply, conversations tangle, and that tower, it turns into a monument of division. You see, God in his wisdom scatters them, not to ruin their party, but to save them from themselves. He redirects their course, reminding them and us that true identity is not about towering achievements or making our names famous. It's about aligning our hearts and our plans with his. And enter Peter, centuries later, he is later carrying a torch of wisdom into our own attempts to unity. He hands us a blueprint here in 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 8 through 12, showing us what God-honoring unity looks like. Read with me. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, and a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and sees the good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Here, Peter redirects our ambition from building monuments to ourselves to fostering a unity that glorifies God. Now, this isn't about 
uniform agreement on every tiny detail, but about this shared commitment to living out the Word of God. It's a call for us to recognize our diversity as a divine gift, encouraging us to find common ground in the gospel's enduring truth. You see, unity anchored in the gospel has the power to renew and transform. And Peter's message is a heartfelt plea for a unity that is distinctly Christian. He talks about brotherly love, sympathy, a tender heart, and a humble mind. You see, this unity isn't about fading into the background, but it's about shining brightly with the love that we have for one another in Christ. And so when disagreements arise, as, oh, they inevitably do, Peter guides us towards blessing over conflict, embodying the radical counter-cultural love that Jesus exemplified. You see, this gospel-centered unity is transformative, capable of renewing not just our personal relationships, but our entire church community. It's built on compassion, understanding, and grace, deeply rooted in the truth of the gospel. So how do we bridge the gap from understanding to action? How do we live out this unity in the day to day? Well, one way is to listen with gospel ears. May we engage in every conversation with an openness to understand through the lens of faith. See, it's about seeking the intersection of God's story with ours, fostering connections that go way below surface level. Next is to celebrate our diversity, united in Christ. May we embrace the beautiful diversity within our church. Reach out, connect, and discover the richness in our differences, all while standing united under the banner of Christ's love. Next is to lead with compassion. When we're faced with conflict, let compassion be your guide. Respond with the grace and the forgiveness that Jesus would have us extend, turning potential division into opportunities for deeper understanding and unity. And lastly, strengthen through prayer and scripture. Oh, may we anchor our efforts in prayer and in the word of God, because they're not just the foundation of our unity, but they are also the source of our strength, guiding us back to the heart of Jesus and to each other. Now, living out this unity is more than just avoiding conflict, but it's about actively seeking out ways to embody Christ's love and compassion in our interactions. It's about making our faith tangible, turning our church into a vivid reflection of God's kingdom here on earth. And so let's commit to this journey together building bridges of understanding and compassion, one conversation, one act of kindness, one 
prayer at a time. It's about creating a community that just doesn't just talk about unity, but it embodies it, shining as a beacon of hope and as a testament to the transformative power of the gospel. And as we build bridges through compassionate unity anchored in the gospel, oh, we'll need courage to live out this Christ-like love day to day. Quiet courage speaks volumes through the small acts of integrity in grace. For when we choose gentleness over argument, respect over slander, we reveal the transformative power of faith, which leads us to our next point, courage and quietness. Imagine this, heroes of old are battling dragons, adventurers rushing in to face impossible odds. Either stories we grew up reading as children are bold and vibrant and they inspire us, but let's not overlook the quieter heroes among us. Those who, with, without fanfare, embody courage through their steadfast faith and daily actions. These heroes might not be in the limelight, but their impact, oh, it's monumental. Diving here into verses 13 through 17, we're reminded that our journey with Christ isn't promised to be a walk in the park. Read with me. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your heart, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is within you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Here, Peter is not talking, about, he's talking about a different kind of bravery. Not the, the, the sword-wielding kind, but a quiet courage. It's about living out our faith in the nitty gritty of daily life. It's about making choices that align with our beliefs, even when it is countercultural. This quiet courage, see, it's drawn from a deep well of faith in Christ. It's about standing firm in our convictions, but not in a way that picks fights or echoes the world's shouty ways, but in a manner that is true to who we are in Christ. It's about choosing to act with integrity, to extend grace, to stand up for the marginalized, doing all of this with the gentle strength that comes from knowing that we are not alone in the fray. Peter emphasizes here that our hope with gentleness and respect, imagine that, that the greatest defenses we have is not a Keflon vest or some other type of armor, but it is Kindness and understanding, not the loud, clanging arguments that the world loves. Our everyday actions, those acts of quiet rebellion against the world's ways, 
Oh, it speaks volumes. See, they, they are the real testimony of our faith, showing a watching world the transformative power of Christ's love without even needing to raise our voices. Faith, whispered through quiet courage, can speak volumes. So what does this look like to live with this kind of courage? Reflect. Identify moments where you can demonstrate courage in your daily walk. Maybe it's standing up for someone or choosing honesty over inconvenience or sorry, convenience, or just simply being kind in a tense situation. Stay grounded. Remember that our courage flows from our connection with Christ. So make prayer, scripture reading, and reflection your daily bread. Speak and act with love. Let your every word and deed, especially those tough conversations, be saturated with love and respect that Jesus has showed us. And lastly, be true to your faith. Let the way you live, the kindness you show, and the choices that you make broadcast your faith louder than any words could. For this quiet courage isn't about making headlines, but it's about making a difference. One faithful step at a time. It's about being the kind of hero that might not always get noticed, but who leaves his mark that is indelibly etched in the lives of those touched by their faithfulness. So let us be honest heroes those type of heroes, not by shouting our convictions from the rooftops, but by living them out in the quiet strength and unwavering faith that comes from walking closely with Christ. You see, this is the courage that changes the world, not with the roar of, of those that are against the faith, but with a whisper of faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Speaking of courage, through quiet conviction, true bravery also shows up, though, in moments of surrender. Now, as counterintuitive as it may sound, surrendering control and embracing God's path leads us to the greatest liberty. When we trust in God's purpose over our plans, even if that means stepping outside of our comfort zone, we trade the illusion of of freedom for its life-giving reality. We let go of what binds us to receive the grace that lifts and sustains us. Oh, and that brings us to our final point, liberty in surrender. Picture this, an eagle symbolizing not just liberty, but a spiritual awakening. Now, eagles, they don't escape the storm. No, they, they use it to lift them higher. You see, this majestic creature waits for the winds to, to pick them up and then they leap and it rides the storm's power 
soaring above the, the tumult below. See, in our lives, challenges and trials can seem like endless storms. But like the eagle, we are called to a different perspective. The Bible reminds us to set our minds on things above, not on earthly troubles. For when we surrender our struggles and lift our eyes to God, he grants us the strength to rise above. So our faith then becomes our wings. And the challenges that once threatened to engulf us, now they propel us into the embrace of God's grace. And it's in this surrender, this divine uplift that we find true freedom. Not from the storm, but within it. As we soar to the liberty that Christ offers, high above the fleeting fears and worries of the world. Verses 18 through 22, Peter flips the script on what it means to be truly free. Read with me. For Christ also suffered for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into the heavens and is at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers having been subjected to him. Now, here's the thing. Peter isn't selling us on this idea that freedom means doing whatever we want. No, he's pointing us to a freedom that comes from surrendering to God's will. It's about letting go of the illusion that, of control and embracing God's bigger plan for our lives. This kind of surrender, it doesn't trap us, but it releases us into the open skies of God's purpose and love. And so how... How do we live out this liberating surrender? One is to recognize your cage. It's easy for us to confuse comfort and security with freedom. But real liberty comes from trusting in God's plan, even when it leads beyond our comfort zone but we must trust the process. Like a seed that is buried in dark soil, surrendering to God's will often means waiting in the unknown. But yet it's from this surrender sprouts the vibrant life of faith that we're called to live. We must be guided, not controlled. You see, surrendering to God's will isn't about losing our identity. It's about finding our true selves in Him. 
It's like having the ultimate guide on life's journey, ensuring that we don't miss the path to true freedom and fulfillment. And lastly, embrace your baptism. Remember, baptism symbolizes this surrender, for it's a declaration that we're stepping out of the cage into the life that God intends for us, a life that is marked by a clean conscience and a heart that is set free by Jesus' love. So friends, stepping out of our cages, oh, it might seem daunting at first, but the view from the freedom that Christ offers us is unlike anything else. For it's in this surrender, this letting go, that we find the kind of liberty that empowers us to soar. For true freedom is found in surrender to God's grace. It's embracing this liberty and surrender. We're not just letting go. We're opening our hands to receive the fullness of life that comes from walking in step with God's will. It's about choosing faith over fear, trust over control, and in doing so, discovering the boundless freedom that comes from living a life fully surrendered to Christ. So let's make that choice today to live not confined by our fears and our desires, but be propelled by the incredible freedom that is found in trusting in God's perfect plan for our lives. Ask if our musicians would come forward at this time. You know, in this ah, moments that we've had together today, we've unpacked some pretty powerful things. Compassion, courage, the kind of freedom that it can only come when we lay down it all and surrender to God. We see how compassion, it, it can bridge the widest gaps. How courage often whispers in the quiet. Those steadfast moments and how true liberty is found not in grasping tighter but in letting go. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. All of this, every bit of it, hinges on a choice. The decision that's as personal as it gets. And it's one that I invite you to make today. What do you choose? Will you choose compassion? Will you be the one when it may seem like nobody else is, but will you be the one who listens deeper, who loves harder, who crosses the lines to heal divides? What about courage? Are you ready to stand up for the truth? even when it's easier to sit down? Are you willing to live out your faith so boldly that it whispers hope into the chaos? 
And then there's surrender. Now, this might be the toughest one of all. Are you willing to open those clenched hands of control to let go of your plans and to trust that God's plans are far better than anything you could dream up? What will you choose? thing is, we all have a choice. You might think, well, I, I'm just avoid it. You know, I, I'm just not ready to make the... To, to, to not choose is to make a choice. So think about it. These next few moments, what is it that you will choose? Compassion? Courage? Surrender. But all of this starts with one fundamental choice. It's deciding to follow Jesus. Not just believing in him because you've heard stories about him in Sunday school or vacation Bible school or because somebody just told you that you need Jesus but by truly following him. You know the difference, right? We must make him our savior, your Lord, your guide in every single step of this wild but wonderful life. But this is your invitation to, to join a family that's all about living these truths together right here at Central Baptist Church. And if you're feeling that tug on your heart this morning, don't ignore it. Oh no, this is the Holy Spirit that is nudging you to a life that you were meant to live. In baptism, it's your next step. If you're sitting here and have not been baptized, know this, that that you are not living the life that God has called you to live. You're living in disobedience to his word. See, baptism is, it's your way of saying, look, I'm all in. It's an outward sign of an inward change. And it's how that you tell the world that you belong to Jesus. Would go ahead and bow your head, close your eyes in these last few moments. Close in a prayer, and we're going to have a song of invitation. How deep the Father's love for us. And in these next two few moments, I just really want you just to have some time between you and God. as you consider the choices to be made. Know this, that a choice requires action, not just a good intention. So as we sing this song, I'll be standing down here front. 
ready to welcome you with open arms. And if you're ready to make that choice, to take that step, come and see me. Oh, let us pray. Let's just start this journey together. Lord Jesus, right now we stand the crossroads of choice. God, for anyone here that is wrestling with the decision to follow you, to join this church family, or to declare their faith through baptism, God, I pray that you would give them the courage to step forward. For your love is vast, your grace is deep, and your arms are open. Help us to walk into those arms with full trust and surrender. Amen. And that concludes today's episode of Keep the Faith with Adam Burton. We've journeyed through the concept of echoing Christ's love, exploring the beauty in our imperfections, and the growth in our struggles. As we've seen, it's not about being pitch perfect, but about finding harmony in God's grace. Remember, even those choir members, with a little practice and a lot of grace, eventually find their harmony, and so can we. Truly inspiring, Pastor Adam. For those moved by today's message, we encourage you to reflect on how you can turn your own discord into a melody of faith. And for more resources and insights, don't forget to visit cbcmaysville.com. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, keep embracing your imperfections, keep finding strength in struggles, and keep echoing Christ's love in every note of your life's song. Amen to that. This has been Keep the Faith with Adam Burton, brought to you by Central Baptist Church in Maysville, Kentucky. Join us next time as we continue to explore the depth of God's Word and its impact on our lives.